from here in the Holy Land. Welcome to the Nourish Your Biblical Roots podcast. I'm your host, Yael Eckstein, President and CEO of the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews. Each week, we'll explore the Jewish roots of your Christian faith and nourish those roots with inspirational insights and ancient teachings that are so relevant to our lives today. Let's get started. With everything going on in the world right now, like the crisis in Afghanistan, the ongoing pandemic, the rise in crime and poverty, there's so much. We can become completely overwhelmed by the problems that we see. It would be easier to bury our heads in the sand. But on today's podcast, we're going to talk about why we can never turn away from the world's problems and how there is always something that we can do and must do to help. We'll explore the biblical story of Cain and Abel with insights from Jewish teachings, and we'll learn why Cain's words, am I my brother's keeper, can teach us about how God wants us to live in our lives today. If you've been listening to this podcast, you know that we usually follow the ancient Jewish biblical reading schedule, which goes through the five books of Moses every year. Each week, Jews around the world read and study the same Torah portion known as the Parsha. And this week is a very special week because we are beginning this cycle again. If you want to follow the Jewish Bible reading schedule for an entire year, this is the perfect time to join millions of Jews around the world and a growing number of Christians as we begin this biblical journey once again, starting with the book of Genesis. That means if you start now, in just one year, you will have finished studying the five books of Moses. The name of this week's Parsha is Bereshit, which means in the beginning, and it covers Genesis 1 through chapter 6, verse 8. As we all know, the Bible begins with the story of creation, followed by the story of Adam and Eve, Adam and Chava, as they're called in Hebrew, and their sin of eating the fruit of the tree of knowledge. After that, we learn that Adam and Eve were expelled from the Garden of Eden because of their sin, and then we read about the birth of their two children, Cain and Abel. The Bible tells us that Abel was a shepherd and Cain was a farmer, and that both brothers brought offerings to God. But God only accepted Abel's offering, and as a result, Cain became extremely upset and depressed. God told Cain that all he had to do was improve his offering, and then it would be accepted too. But did Cain listen? No. Instead, Cain took out his anger on Abel and killed him. The verse that I want to focus on today records the conversation between God and Cain after he committed the world's first homicide. It is Genesis chapter 4, verse 9, and I'm going to read it to you now. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? This verse may seem pretty straightforward, but the truth is there's actually a lot to unpack here, starting with God's question to Cain. 
Why did God ask Cain where Abel was? Surely God knew what happened and he knew exactly where Abel was. And why does God refer to Abel as your brother Abel? Cain was well aware of his relationship to Abel. Did God need to remind him? Cain's response leads to a few questions, too. First of all, did Cain really think that God, the creator of the world, didn't know what he did? And even if he thought that he could hide this horrible deed from God, why didn't he simply say, I don't know, and that's it? Why did Cain add in, am I my brother's keeper? Here's how the rabbis explained the conversation that really took place between God and Cain. When God asked Cain where Abel was, he was giving Cain a chance to come clean and admit what he had done. He referred to Abel as a brother in order to elicit some sort of emotion from Cain. Maybe Cain would feel some regret and remorse over what he did. But instead of confessing his sin and taking responsibility for his actions— Cain did the exact opposite. He blamed God for what had happened. According to Jewish tradition, Cain argued that God is responsible for who lives and who dies, and therefore he, a mere mortal, could not be held accountable for Abel's death. When Cain said, am I my brother's keeper? He was really saying, God, you are the keeper of all people, not me. And it's your job to protect them. I'm not responsible for what happens to anyone, not even my own brother. Cain's response made a tragic situation even more tragic. Not only did he take his brother's life, but he refused to take responsibility for what he did or make any attempt to repent. And he also underscored his sad relationship with all of humanity by basically saying, what happens to other people is not my problem. The story of Cain and Abel demonstrates an obvious lesson, that it's wrong to murder. But the same way that we reject Cain's actions, we need to also really think about and reject his philosophy. Cain believed that what happens to another person is not our problem. But we know that God created us to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. Every year when we read this story in the weekly Torah portion, I feel as though God is talking directly to each one of us. He asks us the exact same question that he once asked Cain. Where's your brother? Where's your sister? Are you aware of their suffering? Do you care? Are you aware that people are starving in one country and dying of disease in another? Do you care that there are hungry children in your town or that there are elderly who are cold because they can't afford heat? What have you done, my children, to help your brothers and sisters in need? And every year, we need to give God an answer. We have a choice. Do we say, like Cain, Am I my brother's keeper? Or can we honestly say, Yes, God, I am my brother's keeper and my sister's keeper, and I'm doing whatever I can to see them 
and to help them. We would all like to believe that we are nothing like Cain, that we would give God a very different answer than he did. But it's really not that simple. Every time we turn a blind eye to someone in need, every time we've told ourselves that someone else will take care of the problem, and every time we watch heartbreaking news and feel nothing for the suffering people, we echo what Cain said, that what happens to someone else has nothing to do with me. Cain's flawed relationship with humanity can trickle into our own lives in the smallest ways, in the little things we do and don't do in our daily lives. Every year when we read this story, I feel that God is calling us to fix spiritually Cain's mistake, to completely uproot his mentality from our own minds, to hear the question and to transform Am I my brother's keeper? Into, I am my brother's keeper, the way we are meant to be. So how do we do that? Well, I think there are many ways to do that. And the first step is just being conscious of it. But you also have to take responsibility for the problems that we see in the world. Judaism teaches that nothing is coincidence. If we see a problem, there's a reason why God is showing it to us. We shouldn't just move on and ignore it. This reminds me of a quote that I once read. It's a short exchange between two people that goes like this. Sometimes I would like to ask God why he allows poverty, suffering, and injustice when he could just do something about it. Well then... Why don't you ask him, said the second person, answered the first, because I'm afraid he would ask me the same question. So many people throw up their hands when they see the world's problems, when they should be using their hands to solve the world's problems. Cain tried to excuse himself from taking responsibility for his brother's fate by telling God that it was his job to take care of people. And sometimes we do the same thing. Sometimes we excuse ourselves from taking responsibility because we expect someone else to take care of things. And other times we don't take responsibility because we're waiting for God to solve everything. But that's not the way it works. God wants us to be his partner in making the world a better place. He expects us to do whatever we can in order to partner with him and help those in need. Something that my father, Rabbi Echiel Eckstein of Blessed Memory, always said was that if we see a problem and we can do something about it, we need to take action and help right away, not blame others or wait for someone else to take care of it. Our job is not to make excuses, but rather to take responsibility for the problems that are within our ability to solve. I want to tell you a little personal example of this. Every winter, I traveled to the Ukraine in order to distribute food and supplies to elderly Jewish Holocaust survivors who might not survive the winter without the help of the fellowship. During the trip, we often travel over two hours by car, followed by a 20-minute hike through the woods in temperatures that are so cold that my legs sting just to reach one person. All of that is just to reach one Jewish person who we know is in need of life-saving aid. 
Then we'll travel three hours in another direction and hike through more snowy woods just to get to another person who lives in a different shack who needs our help. Sometimes people ask me why I do it. Why do I go to such extremes to help these people? Why not just leave the problems to someone else? But my answer is always the same. How can I not help? As my father taught me, if I can help, I must help. And when I land in Ukraine and hear of an elderly Jewish woman who might not survive the winter if I don't go and make this trek to deliver life-saving food and heat and medicine to her, am I really going to leave that to someone else who may or may not do it? No, that's exactly why I travel to Ukraine every year. Rabbi Tarfon, a Jewish sage who lived in the first century in Jerusalem, said this, You are not required to finish all of the work, but you are not free from doing any of the work. In other words, God doesn't demand that we take on all of the world's problems and take care of every person in need, but he does expect us to do our part. And there is always something that we can do. If we can't help physically, we might be able to contribute to a charity that can. And if we can't contribute money, we might be able to give of our time. And even when we have nothing to give and our time is maxed out, we can always offer our prayers. And our prayers just might be the most helpful thing of all. Above all, we need to care deeply about the problems we see in the world. Someone else's suffering should be close to our heart. It should matter to us, and it should impact us in the decisions that we make and how we live our lives. Taking responsibility for others is the first step in turning am I my brother's keeper into I am my brother's keeper. The second step is to see the poor and needy as our very own brothers and sisters and to care deeply about them. Cain said that he wasn't responsible for anyone, not even his own brother. But as people of faith, we say that we are responsible for all of God's children precisely because they are our brothers and sisters. I remember something so strong that reminded me of this teaching. My father made Aliyah, which means he moved to Israel, during the Second Intifada, which was a dangerous time when terror attacks happened almost every single day. I remember that my father used to marvel at how complete strangers would run towards the site of a terror attack, towards the danger. Why? To save the life of somebody that they never met. He would explain that the second the terror attacks struck, the stranger transformed into everyone's brother or sister who needed help. When crisis hit, people woke up to the fact that we are all one family, and there was nothing that they wouldn't do to save a brother or a sister. When we see others as our own flesh and blood, it changes the way that we treat them. But there are so many people who suffer because we see them as strangers. There are elderly men and women who don't have food or anyone to turn to because they're just strangers. 
There are young children who go to sleep hungry and have no one to reach out to because they're just strangers. Whenever I speak on behalf of a charity, I always ask myself, what stories can I share in order to transform strangers who need our help into brothers and sisters who we want to reach out and help? Because when we see the poor and needy as our brothers and sisters, we feel very differently about them and we act differently towards them. As people of faith, we are called to see the poor and needy not as strangers, but as family. Think about this. Just about every time that God issues a directive in the five books of Moses related to helping the poor and needy, the word brother also appears in the same verse or paragraph. For example, in Leviticus 25.35, God says, If your brother becomes poor and cannot maintain himself with you, you shall support him. And in Deuteronomy 15, verses 7 to 8, God says, You shall not harden your heart or shut your hand against your poor brother, but you shall open up your hand to him and lend him sufficient for his need. It's not by accident that God uses the word brother when he commands us to help the poor. He's telling us that our responsibility to help the poor includes seeing them not as strangers, but as family members, people that we are connected to and are responsible for. God asks us to see the poor and needy as our brothers and sisters, because the truth is, they really are. In this week's Parsha, just before the story of Cain and Abel, we read about the story of the creation of Adam. The rabbis asked, when God wanted to create mankind, why did he only create one man? He could have created 10 people or thousands of people, just as he created many birds and animals all at once. Have you ever thought about that? It's a brilliant question. Well, the rabbis explained that the reason why God chose to create all of humanity, starting with just one person, is to teach us that we are all part of one family. We all come from the same father. And just as we all share an earthly father in Adam, we also share a heavenly father in God. So if I am a child of God and you are a child of God, are we not siblings? If the poor man you pass on the street is a child of God, is he not your brother? If a hungry woman in Jerusalem is a child of God, is she not your sister? If we see each other as brothers and sisters, how could we not care? How could we not help as best as we can? You cannot love the father and not love his children. We are all God's children. And when we care about each other and take care of one another, we bring great joy to our Father in heaven. And that's not all. Adam and Eve may have been kicked out of the Garden of Eden, but if we treat each other as we should, with kindness, caring, and respect, we can turn this world into another paradise into God's kingdom on earth. In Isaiah 58, verses 6 to 7, God asks us to clothe the naked, 
feed the hungry, provide for the poor, and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. This week, ask yourself, what are the problems that I see in the world? And what can I do to help my brothers and sisters in need? Can you reach out to someone who is lonely or volunteer to help out at a good cause? Can you help someone who is struggling financially or contribute to a charity? Who might you lift up in prayer? God doesn't expect us to take care of everything, but everyone can do something. And when we each do our small part, it makes a huge difference in the world. Shavuot Tov, my friends. Have a wonderful week from here in the Holy Land. Thank you for listening to the Nourish Your Biblical Roots podcast. If you like what you have heard, visit me at mybiblicalroots.org for more of my teachings, videos, blogs, and books. You can also follow me on Instagram at yael underscore Eckstein or on Facebook at yael Eckstein. Shalom and see you next week.